please rise for the reading of God's Word, John chapter 4. We are going through the book of John, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you need a, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. John chapter 4. Need a Bible? Anybody need a Bible? John chapter 4. John chapter 4. One there in the middle. Okay. John chapter 4, verse 43, says this. Now, after the two days, he, speaking of Jesus, departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea and Galilee, he went to him and implored him. Implored, it means beg. He begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Verse 48 says, Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Let's pray. Father, we, we are here, Lord, to, to know and understand, to come to know and come to understand your Son. Lord Jesus, we are here come to know you. Father, I think of your word in Isaiah chapter 43 where it says, everyone who is called by my name I have created for my glory that they would know me, believe me, and understand that I am Lord, that I am Jehovah, that I am Master. Everyone who is called by my, my name, I have created for my glory, that they would know me, believe me, and understand me. Lord, as we know, get to know you, we discover how much you love us. And I, I, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, even as a few weeks ago, we, we studied about your wrath, about your anger, your anger at sin. That part of you which is holy, judgment. Today, Lord, show us what love looks like. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. 
So here in John chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus returning from Jerusalem to Galilee. Galilee, where he grew up. Um, It's going to be map time again. Not nap time. Map time. Can we get the map up? Okay, so right down here is, uh, is Jerusalem. Right down here. I need better aim. There I go. Oh, man, this battery's going dead. I need to get a new battery in here. Right down in the middle there, uh, Jerusalem. He's traveling up. This is where he was raised, up in this area here. What's that, lime green? Uh, In the area of Galilee, that's where he was raised. He was was, uh, raised right there in Nazareth. First miracle we saw in John chapter 2, right there, that's Cana. And uh, in the middle there is Samaria. And last week, we were in the first 42 verses of the book of John, which dealt with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. The Samaritans, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They had taken the Bible. They had twisted it. They had uh, basically made their own religion out of taking some things out of the Jewish Bible and putting other things new. They had also opposed and were enemies of the Jews 700-year history of, of bigotry, hatred, rivalry. Most, many Jews, when they traveled from here, Jerusalem, where the temple was, the, God, uh, the Jewish temple was in Jerusalem, instead of going through Samaria, they would go all the way around in the plain of Jordan. They would extend their trip um, a couple days by going uh, all the way around here and up there. Jesus went right through. We saw him. He interacted with the Samaritan uh, woman. And uh, a revival breaks out there. <laughs> a revival. Now at the end of chapter 2, Jesus is in Jerusalem And it says that he was doing miracles, but it says that Jesus didn't commit himself to them because he knew all men. He knew that their hearts had not embraced him as Christ the Messiah. But now then he goes into Samaria. He has what looks like a chance meeting. We know it's not. We knew God knew that it was going to happen. But then a, a revival breaks out, and it's not even Israel. And if you, uh, if you can pick up with me in verse 39, just a few verses back from where we began this morning, this is sort of the end of the story, of the story between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. It says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. And then it says in verse 42, this is important. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, the book of John was really the first the book I, I started off on when I was 24 years old and I began to walk with God and, and I got to know God for the first time. And uh, 
I must say, early on in my Christian walk, I got real frustrated with Jesus at this point. Jesus, why are you leaving Samaria after two days in the middle of a revival? Don't you know that that's not what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to stick around when a revival starts, when people are starting uh, to get to know God. But he leaves. It says... He leaves, verse 43. Now, after two days, he departed from there, and he went to Galilee. Now, just a little lesson there before we get into our main lesson, how God's view of success is very different from ours. Oh, how we cling to our silly man-made ideas of what we think God is supposed to do in our lives and in our community, and in our city. How important it is for us to ever be in prayer, listening for the voice of God as to what He wants to do in our lives. Which many times is the opposite of what even makes sense. Take, for example, verses 43 and 44. He leaves a, a revival. There's people coming to the Lord. There's, there's joy there. It says in verse 43, Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee for or because Jesus himself testified that a proper prophet has no honor in his own country. What? Anyone paying attention here with me? You're going to, from a place where there's joy and there's everyone coming to you, to a place where the people in your, in your own home country, it says right here, they don't honor you. Actually, in Matthew 13, it gets even more explicit there. Dave, can we have Matthew 13, the verses there? Um, the, the people in his own home country, in the place that he's going to, this is what they say about him. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things so they were offended at him? Jesus leaves a place of honor in Samaria to go to a place of dishonor, his home country. Again, verse 40 says, verse 44 says, because Jesus, Jesus went to Galilee, verse 43, because or for, he had no profit, no honor in his own country. That's the reason he went there. Because people didn't honor him. I can't tell you how often someone comes to me or comes to one of the pastors in our church and they want to talk about their work or they want to talk about their school and, and, and I'm not, probably a week doesn't go by and someone says, you wouldn't believe how anti-Christian they are. You just wouldn't believe the things they say about 
Christianity, just the persecution that I'm under there. And, and, and I usually say something like, well, listen, that's why God sent you there. That's why you're there. Uh, Jesus was sent to Galilee because he was dishonored there. He will send you to places because he is dishonored there. He'll send you there. There's this, this is why we read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible at Calvary Chapel. There's this misconception that God just wants us in this really comfortable place where everyone's playing happy Jesus and everyone's honoring him. No, 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 no. Jesus said in John chapter 13, we'll get to it eventually in a few years. He said, now that I have done this, now you go do likewise. He calls us to the same calling, the same walk that he was in. So let's continue. Verse 45, when he came, Jesus came to Galilee. The Galileans received him. Having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. Remember, Jesus is just getting back. He was um, at the Passover doing miracles there. People seeing the miracles. John chapter 2, but not giving their lives to Jesus, but believing, wow, there's a miracle worker in our midst. So they received him. It's like, okay, now, here's this guy. He was doing all these miracles. Verse 46, so uh, Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, briefly, that word nobleman, the underlying word in the Greek means king. The root word or king's helper, king's assistant. This is this is. This is the guy, uh, the, the, the king. Anyone know who the king was up there? Anyone? Shout it out. One more try. Herod. It was not Herod Agrippa. It was Herod. This is the same Herod who cut off John the Baptist's head. It's the same um, Herod who, who married his brother's sister. Same Herod who was going to put uh, purple robes on Jesus. He's a wicked man. And I mean, aren't you supposed to avoid wicked men and the people that hang out with them? Well, I don't know. Let's see. It says there was a certain nobleman, really better translated, royal official, whose son was sick at Capernaum. Verse 47 says, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and begged him begged him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Verse 48. Then Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now the you, Y-O-U there, in the Greek it's plural, so many of you will see you people. Unless you people people in italics, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Wow. <laughs> I mean, here, here is a guy 
a man, and he's a really important man. You're supposed to be courteous, aren't you? With important people? He's brokenhearted. He is distraught. If you were in here and you have ever had a child who's in a life or death situation, you know how it is. He's distraught. He's at the point of death. And Jesus says, what? Unless you see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe? Now, now this is shocking to many of us. Where are the comforting words from Jesus? Where is the Jesus of Matthew eleven twenty eight? 28? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Instead, Jesus rebukes the guy. Just rebukes him. What Jesus does here, hear me out, is so out of whack. It's so far away from what the average man or woman who goes to church each Sunday in the United States of America thinks of Jesus. When the average man or woman thinks of Jesus, they usually think something about love, but the kind of love they think about is the kind of love you, you, know, you read about on those, those, those little Valentine heart candies. You get it? Valentine's Day? You know, be mine, hug me, kiss me. And you pop one in your mouth. Mm, it's so sweet. Jesus, so sweet. A sugar-coated, sentimental love. But you look at this verse, and you say, wow, what? Again? That's why we don't stop saying around here, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. If you read your Bible, you will discover who Jesus really is, and he is so much better than those little Valentine heart candies. He's so much better. The truth is, Jesus really is about love. Jesus is all about love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But what does God, what does love, what does love look like? It looks like this, verse 46. There was a royal official whose son was sick um, at Capernaum, and when he heard Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him, implored him, begged him to, to come down, heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. That is what love looks like. Listen. A nobleman, a rich guy, an unbelieving nobleman, rich guy, he's on the broad road that leads to hell. He's on the broad, broad road, as Jesus himself describes it, that leads to destruction. And yeah, he's coming to Jesus. He's pleading for a son who is at the point of death. This man's, but, 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 but remember, yeah, yeah, he's got this need. But this man, this noble man, his eternity is at stake. Like forever and ever and ever and ever is at stake. This man's household is at stake. Before this is all over, they're all going to be saved. But, 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 but listen, all of that is at stake. And, and listen, it would not be loving for Jesus to just say to this man, oh, what a terrible tragedy. I know how you feel. 
I, I feel your pain, in fact. Let me take your pain away. And uh, okay, now, he, he's healed. Go home. Go home. He's healed. And then just go on his way. No, no, that's not love. Not when you're, you have a man who's on the broad road that leads to destruction. Who, as we read about at the end of John, the wrath of God is, 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 is hanging over him. Because he's lived his life as an enemy of God. Jesus knows what this man needs. He doesn't supremely need Jesus' miracles. Supremely, he doesn't need physical healing. He needs Jesus himself. And Jesus wants him. Let's read again the end of John chapter 2. Jesus did not entrust himself to the people because he knew all people. He knew their hearts. So he did not commit himself to them. He's tired of that. He's done with that. And now he's in no-nonsense love mode. That's how love looks like sometimes. If, if, if Jesus heals the man's son but does not heal the man's soul, the man will live for eternity in torment apart from God. This man needs to be saved just as the Samaritan woman needed to be saved. This man needs to stop treating God as part of his life, someone um, he thinks about when he is in times of trouble, someone he forgets about when the troubles go away. The Bible says that a life lived like that is a life opposed to God, a self-centered life. Really, the Bible defines is a life that is an enemy of God, a life which God has no choice but to judge. This man needs to be saved. He needs to, uh, uh, he, he needs to make God not part of his life, but all of his life, Jesus knows that. He knows that about this man. We see a man in distress because his son is at the point of death. God sees so much more. A tragic part of our fallen, ugly, lost from God condition is that sometimes we must reach the most painful place in our life imaginable for us to finally get real with God and listen to him. Yes, I want to heal your son, but what about you? Some of you here today, you may have a, you may have a son, you, you may have a daughter, a spouse, a loved one, terribly ill. God is speaking to you. You come to me for healing, but what about you and me? What about you and me? What kind of God would ask a question like that in, in a time of my deepest pain? Well, a God who is concerned where you will be for all eternity. And, and by the way, he has asked you many times before, but, but every other time he asked you, you ignored him. And so now he has your attention. You may be here with a broken marriage or a broken family. God is speaking to you. He's saying, okay, yeah, I, I want to heal. heal your marriage. I want to, but what about me? You may be here today with no job or you have a job that you hate. You may be here on the verge of financial ruin, on the verge of failing out of school. You may be here with a barren womb, a barren heart. God is speaking to you. Yeah, I want to I work there. I'm glad you're here. 
with this need, presenting it to me, but what about me, he's saying to you this morning. That's what he's saying. Jesus isn't Santa Claus. Jesus is a man who is madly in love with your soul. He's the God-man, so in love with your soul that he was nailed to the cross and all the wrath of God was poured on him as a punishment for your sin. So the wrath didn't have to be on you anymore. So great was his love for your soul. He's the God-man. He, know, he wants to pour his love into you, but he can only do that with a heart that's opened up to him. And that's not a heart that presents him the trouble when the trouble comes, but when the trouble goes away, forgets about him. That's not a heart that that God can pour into. God's a perfect gentleman. He'll stay out if you don't want him in. He cares about your health. He cares about that loved one who's at the point of death. He cares about your job, your finances, your school. He loves you. But what's the point of fixing all that stuff for you only for you to forget about him as soon as you get your fix? And you spend eternity without him. Verse 48 again. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Notice how he says, you people. Jesus says, you people. Now that people again is in italics. But it is you plural. That ye in the King James? Who's the King James after? That's ye in the King. Do you have that King James? Good King James? Ye. Unless ye see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Unless you people. Well, what? As opposed to what people? Well, what people did he just leave? He left the Samaritans. How many signs and wonders did the Samaritans see? Shout it out. Zero. None. Yeah, it's true. Jesus told the Samaritan woman to bring her husband to him. She replied, I have no husband. Jesus says, yes, it's true. You have no husband. You have five. And the man you are with now is not your husband. It is true. He had a supernatural word of knowledge for her. But that had nothing to do with all the people in Samaria who came to believe Christ. Why do I say that? It says it in verse 42. It says again, go back to verse 42. Then they, the Samaritans, said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said. She had told him. This guy knew all kinds of stuff about me. For we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. So coming to Jesus, not merely as a miracle worker, but as the Savior of your life, that's what God wants. Coming to Jesus, not because he does a miracle for you, but because he's telling you to come to him because he's God. He's the God-man. He's the resurrected Christ. He's your Savior. That's what God wants. Now, This is important. This doesn't mean that we don't go to God asking him to move in the miraculous. Doesn't mean that we don't do that. In fact, look at the nobleman's response, verse 49. 
The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down. Before my child dies, he, he continues it. None of what has been said today, I've said today, means that the man or you or anybody else needs to stop pleading with God to perform a miracle in the life, in your life or the life of your family or, 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 or your friends or, or, or someone in your community. None, none of what I've said today means you should stop doing that. Whatever you do, don't stop doing that. God has called you to bring to him a plea for the miraculous. God wants to be glorified in your life and in the life of the church by moving in the miraculous. The point is this, keep the miraculous in perspective. Don't exalt the miracles above the miracle maker. Don't exalt the miracles over the one who performs the miracles. And please, don't, don't, don't say to me, well, you know, I'm, I don't do that. I don't do that with God. I don't exalt needs and miracles above he himself. Well, listen... Uh, we will see in the book of John, chapter 6, 5,000 men leaving Jesus. They left him permanently because he wouldn't give them the miracles that they wanted anymore. They had something they really, really, really wanted in their life. And they didn't get it, so they left for good. That's in the nature of man. That's, uh, there's a piece of that in all our hearts. We have to just bring that in to God and it, it, it expose that. Let it be exposed that God would, would, would forgive you if you've been in that place doing that, but also give you the grace to protect you from doing something really stupid like bolting on God because he hasn't answered your demands, satisfied your demands in your life. John chapter 6, 5,000 men, they leave Jesus. Jesus turns to his disciples in John chapter 6, verse 67, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, and he says, well, do you also want to go? Do you also want to leave me? And what if, how did Peter answer, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. That's great. It's so encouraging reading that. He got it. He got it. He and the other disciples who remained, they got it that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of my heart. He decides, if he decides to withhold a miracle, that's his business, not mine. He's God. I'm the worshiper. I'm the follower. I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life wherever he thinks best and however he thinks best. So Jesus' disciples Got it. Now back to John 4. I believe by the time this man, this noble man, this man, the man who comes to Jesus with his son at the point of death, I believe by the time he leaves Jesus and goes back home, he gets it. And let's keep reading, and I'll show you why. It says in verse 
49, it says, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son leaves, rather, your son lives. And so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Again, the man believed the what? The word, not the miracles, the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. So don't miss that. So this guy here, this nobleman, he's no longer one of you people. Who's the you people? He's not one of the you people in verse 48 that says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no, no means believe. He's, he's not, not one of those you people. He's one of the you people from uh, verse 42 who said, we believe now because we have heard him ourselves and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's keep reading. Verse 51 says, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. So some servants had come from the house to tell him, Look, your son lives. Verse 52, he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household this, again, is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Galilee, in, out of Judea into Galilee. It says that his whole, it says he himself, verse 53, believed in his whole household. Reminds me a little of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 16, where the Apostle Paul is being followed by a woman with a demonic spirit, and he casts the spirit out of her. Her owners were not happy because they were using that demonic spirit to fortune tell. And so they, they, the, the owners of the slave girl went to the, the, the magistrates, the governors of the city, and said, and complained about uh, Paul and said, these men, uh, they, they trouble our city and they teach things that are not lawful. Paul was, what happened? He was thrown into jail with Silas. Begins to sing songs, hymns, even though he was chained. There's an earthquake. The chains miraculously fall off. The jailer sees it and says, I'm dead because all these prisoners are going to escape now. And they're going to kill me anyway. He's about to kill himself. And Paul comes to him, no, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the man was so astonished at what was going on. He said, famous verse, verse 30 of Acts 16. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. You and your household. God cares about your household. 
And let me tell you something here. There's a lot of new moms and dads in here. And there's a bunch of you who are, these kids are still in the womb. We have a really packed Sunday school, uh, Sunday school and nursery. We're really happy about that. But let me, give you a, let me give you a warning, and it's a warning in love. Please don't bring your kids for the first time to Jesus when they're at the point of death. Please start giving them Jesus as soon as you find out there's been conception in the womb. Just start reading to that growing belly. Just start, just start reading to it. And then when the baby comes out, just continue. Take them to be with the people of God. Put scripture up in your home. Tell them about Jesus. Instruct them about Jesus. God cares about your household. He wanted to save this whole household of this nobleman who was one of Herod's officials. He wanted to save them. And so this beautiful story of a man who left Jesus getting a lot, getting something a lot different and receiving something a lot different than than what he had, had come to him for, and that was a relationship, a recognition. This isn't just a faith healer here. This is the savior of the world. I'm going to call the worship team up now. We're just going to end the uh, time now uh, with worship. And also, we're going to have prayer during a closing worship song. If you've been asked to pl- uh, pray, like, please come up. One of the difficult things about being a pastor or a leader or an elder of a church is that sometimes people come to us in a dire situation. Sometimes it's someone, in the, a loved one who's at the point of death. Sometimes it's someone who can't have kids. Someone who is single at an age they never dreamed they would be single at that age. Sometimes it's a serious health problem. And we have, to be, we have to be sharing something with them that's so, so difficult because it becomes apparent in the conversation their biggest need is Jesus. <laughs> their biggest need is a relationship with God. That's what they really need. Does God care about the barren womb, the single relationship, the broken marriage? Oh, absolutely, and oh, does he want to work, but there's something much bigger at stake. Listen, if there's something in your life this morning, something in your life that you've been bringing to God, pleading to God, he may very well... He wants to work in it, but he may be very well, he, he, he may have been just allowing or directing this thing to happen. This may be not something that God allows. He's brought it into your life in order to get your attention. Because you've had a history of troubles coming, you remember God, tr- troubles go away, you forget about God. Listen, If there's something in your life 
that you've brought in here this morning that you want to bring to God, why don't you bring the whole thing up and we can pray about it while the worship team begins. If you're a person who has never in your life come to Jesus and given him your life, you can come up as well. But why don't you rise and pray, and if the prayer partners, if you've been asked to pray, if you could please come up now. I'm going to rise for this uh, closing worship song. We're going to sing. If you'd like, you can come up to pray. But before we begin, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, in fact, every time we open the Word of God, every time that we get together, whenever it is, we can just open our hearts and have you be brutally honest with us, Lord. And, and, and sometimes that's exactly what we need. What a glorious picture of this man who came to heal his son, but the whole family had their souls healed, saved, the whole household. What a glorious picture of your grace, Lord. We just thank you for that. Father, I pray for all our hearts, my own heart included, that we would just do that business with you. This morning, whatever that business may be, maybe that business is just worshiping you and praising you because, Lord, we've been brought to the place where, like the Samaritans, we don't believe because of what someone else told us. Neither do we believe because of a miracle. We believe because... You're the Christ, the Savior of the world, and just to worship, Lord. Whatever may be the case, Lord, just close out our service for us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.